to welcome everyone here for his service this morning. Shall we open with 342? this morning I think of that song we, we can't I don't think we can comprehend the magnitude of the grace of God it calls and enlightens and supplies all our needs takes us through through this life and, and eventually to heaven's shore we, with, our, with our carnal thinking we can't comprehend that but it is so and it's true, and we're thankful for that. Shall we open our service in a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another Sunday morning. We thank you for this opportunity to gather here and spend time in and around the Word. This Word that brings to us and supplies eternal life. This Word that makes life go better for us here. And takes us to that eternal shore that we all look for and wait for. We thank you for all these blessings of the land that we see this time of year. We thank you for our natural needs being looked after, food, clothing, and shelter. We thank you that we live in a country still where we can worship like this, get together, take time out from our daily busy routines, many of us have, and spend time contemplating the more important things, the eternal things. We ask you to watch over our, our land, watch over our governments. Give all those in, in elected positions that knowledge and understanding that theirs is a, a responsible place, an important place, and that we look 
not to our own understanding, but we look to understanding that comes from this word. Understanding that comes from above to make our decisions. Watch over our local governments, our schools, our homes, our churches, our, our parenting, all these things. We ask that thy hand would be over us in all these things. Watch over those that are possibly sick and infirm with sickness or old age or whatever it might be. Comfort them and strengthen them. Send thy servants unto them to visit them. Watch over our speaking brother this morning. Open this word to him and open this word to each of us that we can gain from these things and learn knowledge of the depths of this word and understanding. And be with us now as we pray together that prayer thy son Jesus taught us. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Someone has a song to continue with? 
May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I will turn to the first epistle of John, to the fifth chapter, and I will read the first five verses, reading in Jesus' name. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Amen. I um, seem to struggle to find a text this morning. So as George has already prayed, and it seems so often I need to ask that I would covet your prayers that the Spirit could open this word that we could be fed. It says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. We know as Christians that that believing God is the essence of how we live and our salvation And I've said it before that I believe that even though it is basically the difference of one small word, it is profoundly different. We can say that we believe in God. And there are a lot of people who will make that statement. And I believe that they're not saying it untrue. They probably do believe in God. And there is nothing wrong with believing in God but much more importantly I believe is if we can say that we believe God because we can believe that there is a God out there and that he has perhaps made this world but then to take it so that we are willing to believe God, that we are willing to believe this word that he has given us and what it says in it and not pick and choose and say, well, I will believe this part, but this part I'm not really comfortable with. We live and we are humans in this world and we have this natural flesh We don't have to look any further than the beginning of the Bible to see the results of how good we are naturally at following God. I think I maybe even mentioned it last week. Adam and Eve had basically one rule, and they couldn't follow that. We are such beings, and human nature has gotten no better from then till now. And God knew that. And it is something that it is one of the mysteries of 
life. It is one of those things that we just have to leave with Him because if I look at it in my mind, if I realize that if I'm going to make something and all it's going to do is turn against me and cause problems to itself and to those around it, I don't know that I would be very inclined to make it. And yet God, knowing the weakness of mankind, made us, created us, gave us, made us living souls. And it says that even before the foundation of the world was laid, our salvation was set in place. What Christ was going to come and do was already in place. Because God loved us, and in spite of our failings, He cared that we could be His children. And here we see that it is simply believing in what Christ has done that is important. Whosoever believeth in Christ is born of God. We know that Nicodemus came to Christ and asked and questioned him. And Jesus tells him that he must be born again. And he asks, how can that be? And Jesus says that if you don't understand these natural things, how is it that you will understand spiritual? And he was talking of spiritual rebirth. Not that we would naturally be born again. We understand that that happens once but that we would as people come to know and believe God and believe that we can on our own do what it is that is needed to be his child but we can simply believe that Christ did says, and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. It's an interesting thing here. We understand that God was the one that begat Christ. Christ, it says, was the firstborn among many brethren. And we as children of God understand that by faith we are also the children of God. And as children of God we are heirs to heaven. And it isn't something that we can say, well, we love God, but we have no time for Christ. We look at other religions and Muslim is very evident. They, they believe in a God. And they will even acknowledge that he is gracious and merciful. But then it becomes a problem because they have no way of conveying that mercy that is there in God to mankind. We as Christians, we have that privilege... <laughs> Of not only knowing that God is good and gracious and righteous and perfect and just. And it is because he is righteous and just and demands that perfection. That we need to be able to avail ourselves of his grace and mercy. And we have the privilege of understanding how that can become ours and it is through Christ and if we understand that and can believe that we can love that Savior because he first loved us but it goes a little deeper than that and it becomes a little bit more difficult oftentimes for our human nature. We know that Christ came and he came and walked in perfection. He fulfilled the law and he walked at all times 
was in the will of his father. He was in the will of God, which is something that we struggle with. And we recognize that even him coming, walking perfectly, those people, they had, they found enough wrong with him still that they crucified him. And as Christians, yes, we understand that it was in the will of God and it was as payment for our sin that we could take his righteousness. And we still can love him because we know that he has done that for us. But the next verse says, by this we know that we love the children of God. When someone is a child of God, we know that the Spirit of God dwells in them, that they are given the Spirit of God. Christ dwells within our being. And yes, we would like it to be so that we could all live in harmony and peace and that, but even among Christians, we find that there's different personalities. There's people that rub us the wrong way. We may agree with them when it comes to matters of salvation, but just their nature we struggle with. But we still have to find love in our hearts for those people. And it is through the grace of God that we are given the power to love those ones that perhaps are difficult. And maybe if we're struggling with that, we need to take a look at ourselves. And maybe it is us who is the difficult one to love. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. It's an interesting thing, and I believe that it is part of what the devil wants to do. And it isn't just that word love, but there's lots of words that we see in society today. That there's a tendency to try to redefine the word. The meaning of the word is tweaked and changed so that it's a little bit more comfortable. And love is, I believe, one of those words. And... And it's an important one. We think of love, and there is various ways that that word can be used. And lots of times we think of it as being warm and fuzzy. And if we love someone, we have kind and caring and warm, fuzzy feelings towards them. Or maybe in some places, romantic feelings towards someone. But this gives a definition of what love is that I believe is a little more difficult for us to do at times. It says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And when we love God and love those who are his children, this would tell us that the most important and best way to show that we love someone is by us walking according to God's will. And we can think that how important is our life in the big scheme of things? But we see here that God shows his love through his children here. And God shows his love to the world by how we walk. And it is, I find, one of the most difficult things to explain to someone who isn't, doesn't believe, who isn't in faith. That yes, we as Christians, we walk like everyone else does. We have these problems. We fall into sin. We make mistakes. We offend people. We do things wrong. But by the grace of God, 
we can believe those things forgiven. And we would desire that we would not do them. Not because by not doing wrong we are saved, because we are saved by faith in Christ. But when we do wrong, it damages our nearness to God. And it weighs on our conscience and it can weigh us down. God knew that also and it's why he has given us that ability to come. And it says, we confess your faults one to another. We can bring those failures, those things, and we can confess them. And there is forgiveness. We can encourage each other to believe all that we have done forgiven in the name and blood of Christ. And we are encouraged in the Bible to be ambassadors with that message. And we can proclaim it with confidence because it isn't our word, it's what the Bible says. And it if I say is one of the commandments that Christ has gave us, we read the end of all the gospel messages and Christ makes that <clears throat> command that, and encourages those and us also to go and share the gospel message. Go and preach repentance and remission of sins. It isn't a message that we come up with. As Christians, it is a message that we have experienced. The Bible tells us that the one who makes the wine must be first partaker of it. And what it's telling us is that how can we share that gospel message if we have never experienced it for ourselves? When we have experienced for ourselves, when we have experienced that place of where we have had to come with a contrite and penitent heart and seek that is there grace for me. When that Spirit of God shines into our heart and reveals what we are. And if we take and compare that to what God demands we fall very short. And hopefully it will bring sorrow and humbleness that this flesh could be humbled and we could come to God where he is found and seek forgiveness. And that is the beauty that we have also as Christians. God, we know, is not found off on some far off quest. He's not found in some magnificent place where we aren't allowed to go. We read in, in Isaiah, and I believe it's the 57th chapter, and, and to me it is such a precious verse. It's the 15th verse. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. That is God. That is God defining himself and where he is. It says, and with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit. God isn't found just in, found in high and holy places, but he is found dwelling in the hearts of his children. In a humble and contrite heart. And the fact that that is where God will dwell is uh, one of the greatest blessings we have because we can find him. We can seek him there. And there is a reason that he does that. It says to revive the heart of the contrite one. That is God's desire that when someone is feeling sorrow for what they have done. And it doesn't put parameters on that. And it doesn't put parameters on who we can share that with. 
Mark says, share it with... I should read it so I don't misquote it. It's not that difficult. It says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't matter who the person is. That message is for them. It isn't that God doesn't want that message for certain people. It's that people don't want to receive it. And usually it's because of our human pride. It's too simple to simply believe in what Christ has done. And yet that's what we are told. It says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ. And that we would believe God and put our faith in what Christ has done. Not in our ability to walk to a certain level of perfection. Because if we do that, we're either going to find that we fail or we'll probably always find we fail. And so we would give up or else we will just be as the Pharisees. And in the reality, it is. You just put rules and and try to live up to them and and pretend that you're good. And it it says that right in the beginning. In in Exodus, it tells about building an altar to come. And it says that it would be an altar of earth. But it says, Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. And I believe that that's what it's, what it's telling us there is that if we have to work and get better and better, and that's how we think that salvation is, there's a problem. Because as soon as we start getting higher on ourselves, how sinful we are will start showing up. And then you just have to work harder at covering it up. It's an amazing thing. God sent Christ to fulfill all that, that we can simply believe it, trust it. And if there's something that's befallen us, something that we've fallen into, that we're struggling to believe that that there's really forgiveness for this, God's given us that privilege. He says, come boldly to that altar of mercy. And where's that altar of mercy? It's found in the temple of God. So where's the temple of God? It says in Corinthians, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. We can come and confess those things. And hear them forgiven. It tells us that we are the royal priesthood. We have that privilege as children of God of being able to assure people that, yes, those things are forgiven. Christ paid for them. It says he's paid double. We don't have to worry that maybe it didn't quite cover it enough, that maybe this thing doesn't get covered. No. The Bible tells us he paid double. They're fully covered. Simply believe that. And so as Christians, we show that love for others. And if we're struggling to understand how we do that, it's simply by being obedient to God. And as children of God, we have that privilege of knowing that the Spirit of God dwells in us. And that still small voice will guide us. And sometimes we don't want to listen to the guiding of it. Sometimes we would like to do our own thing. It's unfortunately how we are. There's forgiveness for that also. Says, but for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
As I already mentioned, we can look right in the beginning at Adam and Eve, and their ability to overcome the world was zero. Satan came in the form of a serpent, and they fell into sin. We are no better. We are constantly our flesh. Well, it tells us in the Bible that it never repented. Indeed, it cannot. This human flesh lasts for this life. And that's it. And that's its focus. And we can look at human nature and it's portrayed very clearly in the world around us. In people seeking power and fame and money and all these things that are for this life. And some of them maybe make life easier here. But we understand that even this world is temporary, let alone a life. Even if we live long in our time, a hundred years or maybe a little bit more, compared to eternity, it is very short. And we have that song that says, if I gained this world but lost the Savior, it might... We could have power and fame and fortune for, as I said, maybe a hundred years, and then it's done. And if we don't have Christ, what good is it? It's of no value. So then, how do we overcome this flesh that desires this world? How do we overcome the world? It says, our faith. It's simply by faith that we would trust what God says and believe it. Believe it so that we would walk in the desire to do what God wants. It says, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So there it gives us the focus of what our faith is on. We can read in James and it talks about dead faith. So we understand that we can put our faith in things that are of no value. They don't give spiritual life. And we can see people that trust in any number of things. And in some ways there's lots of things that we do have to trust in. We get in a vehicle and we trust that it's going to take us home. Sometimes it fails, but generally it does. But when we put our faith and believe that Christ is the Son of God and came to cover our sin, then our faith is in something secure. We speak of that rock that we stand upon, which is Christ. We come to this place, or I come here, and oftentimes it's feeling very inadequate. And I remember my father-in-law saying, and I've maybe said it from here, he said it should be the simplest job in the world to simply get up and say what we are given by the Spirit to speak about what someone else has done. And it's true, that's what it should be. But unfortunately, we have to take up this human being with us when we come here. And we recognize the failures that it has, and how easily it can be overcome by sin and the struggles and, and worries of this world. But it said we can overcome all those things by simply believing that Christ has done it. It's not in our strength. It's in His. And then it gives us here to even understand a little bit more about who Christ is. It says, and this is He that came by water and blood, even Christ, Jesus Christ, 
not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. We know as Christians that the word of God is Christ. It says at the beginning of John that and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Speaking of Christ Jesus. The word is the water of life. When it becomes alive and living and we partake of it. But God just didn't send his word here for us. He sent him in natural form. He had blood like we do that he shed. He became one of us. So that the demand that God had that his law would be fulfilled by mankind could be accomplished. Christ did that. And the Spirit proclaims the truth of that. And we are encouraged to believe it. Says there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there we see the one place of that teaching of the triune God that people struggle with so often. How can there be three in one? And it is something that's perhaps difficult for us to comprehend. And I guess the thing that my mind is able to reason at the most is we look at light. And if we break it down, there's three colors there. And when they come together, it's white light. There's red, green, and blue there. And yet they come together and it's one. And I believe that it speaks here. And it's... And I know I have a brother-in-law that feels very strongly and he can explain light so it's beautiful. And how spiritual it is. And we speak here speaking of the triune, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they are there in heaven. <clears throat> but it says, and there are three that bear witness in the earth. The Spirit and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. And we see how it is that here in this world, there's people that claim that they're led by the Spirit. But if that Spirit and the leading doesn't line up with this Word of God, there's a problem. And if that Spirit and that leading doesn't speak of that blood of Christ that was shed for for them there's a problem because it tells us right here that these three agree in one there's total agreement between the word of God and the spirit of God and that message that Christ's blood covers the sin of mankind and if someone comes with some other message that doesn't agree with those there's a problem and it comes from some other spirit than the spirit of God. Because if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. And it is something that we as Christians are to witness of God. We are to witness of what Christ has done for us and what Christ has offered and done for everyone. And we would hope that we are doing it through the power of God. That we would be witnessing God. And that people would see that love of God coming from us. And I say this maybe too much also, but I believe it's very, to me, it, I don't know, I guess it's a picture that my mind can understand. As Christians, I believe that we should be much like mirrors. That anything of God, people would just see God reflected in us, in our walk, in our life. That God would be reflected in our living. But that any glory then that would come to us because of that, it would simply be reflected to God. It wouldn't 
be anything that we can take for ourselves because it's not in our doing. Any good that shows forth from us comes from God and the glory should go back to Him. And I believe that that's the problem with sin. When we sin, it isn't that you're a Christian, you sin, no, you're not a Christian, and then you become a Christian. And no, as Christians, we sin. But we have that privilege of confessing and having forgiveness of those sins. And to me, it is that we would clean that mirror. Because as sin weighs on us, pretty soon God isn't showing forth in our life. And pretty soon any glory that comes, we're wanting to take it for ourselves. And we would want to have that clean conscience before God, that we would reflect God and glorify Him in our walk. says here that the witness of God is greater for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his son he that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself that he believeth not God oops sorry (coughs) he that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself if we believe on Christ Jesus not that we would just believe in him but that we would Trust and lean on Him and rest on Him, and that He would be our all in all, and not just some add on in our life, but He would be the focus of our life. And that witness that He is that to us would show forth to others. Because it says, He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. If we don't believe in what Christ has done for us, for mankind, then we're saying that God is lying, that we don't really need Christ, and he's of no value. says and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life and this life is in his son and that is the essence of what God desires for us is that we would not only know him in this life but in eternity that we would be his children here and forever that we would be those heirs with Christ. And this closes here. It says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And it is speaking of spiritual life. And to me that is a very simple and yet definite definition of a Christian. If the Spirit of Christ dwells in someone, there's living faith there. You are a living soul. If the Spirit of Christ doesn't dwell in someone, you're not. And it's that simple. And that is why we share that gospel message. And that's why we encourage people to believe in Christ. So that that Spirit of God could live and thrive in their heart. And that God could give faith that we could overcome this flesh in the world. That we could walk as Christians and in spite of our failings, we could know that we are children of God and that He loves us because we put our faith in what Christ has done. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Does someone have a song we can close with? 218. Sorry? 218. 218. Is there anybody who's able to have a Bible study this evening? I, you can't see him? Okay.
I probably won't be here because I have to run the axe to Portland Cloud, but hopefully you can. The Bible says you'll see you.